if you're here and you're uh, we're on the trip, if you guys can start making your way forward, we'll give you a couple minutes to share something uh, specific about what you encountered on this trip. Uh, I will start off by saying one of the things that caught me off guard or by surprise, I guess, is uh, what they call Panamanian time. <laughs> Panamanian time means that when something starts at 9 o'clock, it actually starts at 11. Um, so we had VBS in the morning just to kind of give you an idea of what our day looked like. We'd have breakfast at 7.30. Um, we'd get ready to go to a VBS that we ran uh, throughout the week. And uh, that usually was supposed to start at 9. Our first day, the first kid showed up at, at uh, 9.35. So at 9.30, I'm thinking, are we going to do VBS? Like, no one's here, so what's happening? And then um, and that one kid happened to be a son of the mother that was going to cook our lunch later, so he had to be there because he had to come with mom. So, but then by the time 10.30, 11 o'clock rolled around, we had about 60-something kids come uh, there. So what we thought was going to start at, ele- at 9 and end around 11, started at 11 and ended around 12.30. So everything we did had to be adjusted. Our time frame had to be adjusted. Our expectations had to be adjusted. Um, and that happened every place we went. We did a, a soccer camp, and the kids started trickling in. It still to start at 3. They started trickling a little late. Um, it was a pretty... Um, intense schedule as far as that goes we had to be very flexible so that was um um you know something new for us as far as time frame but one of the things i really want to share is that when you have a bunch of people we had people from finney school we also um partnered with the church in south carolina uh, that we usually do and then our church and when you combine those three people together there's personalities that you don't really know that well and sometimes those personalities can you know, flare up on a trip and, and there can be some conflict, zero conflict. I mean, I, I, as a pastor on the trip, you know, I'm always making sure our team is doing well. I'm on, I'm on guard. My mind is on track with, is anybody, you know, cause if there's conflict within us, then the enemy can get in, inside of that and destroy what we're, what we've been sent to do. Um, so I'm always kind of looking, I didn't really have to do any of that. And so it was a real, I mean, even the students, were telling me, I can't believe that this is going as well as it is um, internally within our, our own team because we're forming relationships with each other where you're in an intense situation and sometimes that can get crazy. But um, I'm going to let these guys share a little bit about um, what happened in their hearts and what happened at, um, at on the trip and uh, we will hopefully bless you um, by seeing what God did through us. I'm Wayne Richardson. I was on the construction team, and um, the main thing that I learned, I went to Panama to make a connection with Salt Lake City, Utah, which you figure, how did that happen? Well, they joined us up with a team of, of five or six other men that were on a construction team, and they were from Salt Lake City, Utah. And when we first met them, there was a rumor that it was a Mormon church. That turned out not to be true, <laughs> but... Uh, but we um, we got to know these men quite well. Um, they were hardworking guys, um, and a lot of them were ordained ministers. We found out later on they didn't come off as is uh, haughty or, or higher than they, they were just real down to earth guys. Um, and uh, on the bus ride back, I got to talk with one guy named John, and he um, he was a car dismantler. That's what he does for a living. He buys cars and he dismantles them and that's how he makes money. And he likes the freedom of being self-employed because he does four or five missions trips a year. And also in his spare time, um, he leads a recovery group. 
and uh, just to, to just to get to talk to John and the other guys that were working with us on the construction team. Um, it wasn't so much how much of the building we got done. The missionary wanted um, wanted us to complete the building so it was painted and you know ready to move in, and that just wasn't going to happen. Um, but at any rate, we we you know the, the building is farther along than it than it was when we got there. It's going to house uh, 22 to 24 people who will go down there and help build churches when it's finished. But uh, the main thing that I took away was um, that these these other guys from Salt Lake City, Utah, that that came in and were devoted to the Lord and being obedient and. Uh, just the, the amount of uh, effort that they put in. And like Mike said, the fact that we worked alongside them all week and um, there was no conflicts, no, got along great with them. As a matter of fact, I have, I consider them my friends now. So uh, went to Panama to meet people from the United States. Um, hey, my name is Colby and um, I was on the evangelism team and we had soccer camps and um, we taught the kids how to, well, we did drills with the kids, and at the end we would do um, soccer games, and it was really um, cool. And there was always like these young adults who um, watched all the kids play soccer on like the edge of the field, or like there was like this big, like mom like monument in the middle of the soccer field, and they would just hang out there. And one night we had um, outreach to them, and it was late at night, and they decided to show up. And there was only three of them that came, and. Um, um, we did a altar call, and they all raised their hand at camp, and they accepted um, Christ as their Savior. And I thought that was really cool because they didn't even participate in soccer camps or VBS, but they um, watched, and they still got to accept Christ as their Savior. And then the, um, and after that, they brought their friends to another outreach, and um, they got saved too. And it just shows how um, you don't have to be involved in the soccer camp or the VBS to um, see... Um, what God can do in their lives, and just showing how um, a chain reaction can start in the community if um, you just started a sack camp for God, and it just shows how great that can be. Hello, my name's Zach. Uh, the favorite part uh, of Panama was when we had VBS at the start of the day. Um, there was this one kid, his name was Kevin. He was like seven years old and about this tall. And he could beat us all at soccer, even though <laughs> we were, like, trying our best. And he could, like, kick it up and hit it with his head and shoot it all over the field. And uh, so me and Colby and Wesley would usually go with him and try to beat him at soccer, even though he'd win every time. And uh, we started building a relationship with him and started talking to him. And uh, at the end of the week, we um, wrote him a letter and translated it into Spanish saying how we loved him and how we built a relationship with him. And uh, then at the end of the VBS, he, when we asked if he wanted to accept Jesus into his life, he raised his hand and he said he wanted to. And he ran up there and we laid his hands on him and he accepted Jesus into his life. And it was just really great meeting a kid like him and to see that our love to him is the same love Jesus shared with him and that he can uh, hold that on to him for the rest of his life. So, My name is Wesley Gerais. Going to Panama was a life-changing experiment experience, especially how I 
saw how kids, the Panamanian kids, lives were changed when they accepted Christ. And it also changed my life, too, going down there for my first time. And it also changed um, the group members at Panama because God touched their lives. Hola. <laughs> my name is Maddie, and this is my first missions trip. Um, it was amazing, indescribable. Um, it was just so amazing how um, just the kids would want to be held and come up to you and um, at first it started out with very little amount of kids, but then they'd go and spread the word to their friends and pretty soon like the whole, the whole town had a buzz like what's going on down there with all the kids and um, just like the last night when we were walking up to the soccer field, all the kids running down just wanted to say hi to us, just would run down the road and um, I don't know, I just, I miss them. <laughs> Hola, me llamo Lili. That's what I told all the kids. <laughs> My name is Leanna, but I told them it was Lili. Um, I, I have a cool, um, a neat short story to tell you. I became really close with this little boy named Moses. He was 13. And um, he, all of the, his little crafts that he would make during VBS, he'd give to me. And I wrote him some encouragement letters, and we became really close. Um, he was almost like a little brother to me, and I told him that. Um, and the last night was really emotional. I was on my knees hugging him, and we hugged for a long time. And um, we were both sobbing into each other's arms. Um, but I had, the last time I said, that was, I thought that was going to be the last time I said bye to him. Um, so when he left, I had regrets that night that I didn't, when I left him, I had wished that I told him to smile. I mean, it was bittersweet. We were happy, but yet we were both crying. And that night, I just wished that, I told him that I told him, you know, to smile and be happy instead of leaving him, you know, crying. So the next morning, um, I was in my room, and Emily, who I room with, she said, Lee, I think Moses, um, she was on the balcony, and she said, Lee, I think Moses is outside. So I immediately dropped everything I was doing and ran out on the balcony, and um, he had rode his bike to the hotel that morning to say bye to me again. And um, so I ran downstairs, and I grabbed Austin, who was from Finney, and because uh, it Moses was his little buddy, too. And we ran outside, and um, I was able to love and hug on him for the last time. And it was just great because um, I had my chance um, to say, you know, smile, it's happy. And I had one more chance to say, um, Jesus, te amo, Jesus loves you. Okay, I'm um, Jana, and um, one of the things God really showed me on this trip was that when we say to God and pray to him, you know, Lord, take these efforts, time, money, whatever, and use them for your glory, he, he totally does. Um, I feel like what we did while we were there in and of itself wasn't that significant, but God really used it to show himself to the people there. And I really feel like the, um, the people that we went to minister to really knew why we came. Like there was a lot of fun, there was a lot of soccer and music and games and everything, but time after time, you know, we would stop, sit down, and they would hear the message of Christ. And I think they knew that, you know, the way that we were like loving the little kids and you know trying to reach out and connect to the older kids that that was because of Jesus like we brought Jesus to that community I feel and um it was just so good to see like the kids that we built such good relationships with over the week come to Christ like I have my own story of a girl that I got really close to and her and her cousin went up on I think the last day to accept the Lord and I had one here and one here and they linked pinkies when they were praying, you know, to accept the Lord. But, and I can speak for myself, and I'm sure other people here too, like we went to bless them, but I feel like my own faith has been so strengthened as like, you know, a lot, a lot of us because of what we saw God do there, so. 
My name is Julie, and this is my uh, second missions trip. Um, the part that really touched my life was with all the little kids, just being able to love on them and them being so like, acceptant of that. And I feel like we showed them when we, we loved on them, we showed them Christ, Christ's love, how he loves us unconditionally without like bounds or anything. So I thought that was huge. And then also... Um, when we had the altar call, I was expecting all the ki all little kids, not really adults. But there was a lot of adults who also were at the service, and they also and we had a time for them to come up and pray. And a lot of adults came up and prayed, and I had the opportunity to pray with um, one older lady, and she was just you know crying out to the Lord. And I put my, left my I put my hands on her and I prayed for her, and I also told her through an interpreter that Jesus loves her, and she started crying. So and all that really touched my heart to see adults there too, not just children. So all the whole trip was just very life changing. And it, you know, touch my heart, so. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> my name is Chris, and this is my second missions trip, and to going on this trip was something else for me. Uh, to build the relationships that we built, to see all those guys down there in Panama was something incredible. I know that's a piece of my heart down there, and um, there was one kid who I really connected with, and his name was Jorge, and... Um, there was really crazy sound he would make that I'm able to make too, and um, I'll do it for you. <coughs> <Hold on>. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's something like that. It was like that, and so once he did that, and I was like, huh, all right. So I, I did it as well, and he's like, what? And he's like, great. Like, he was like, we could do it too, you know, and it's like, yeah. And so him and I really connected and stuff, and just, uh, uh, it was, he was a really great guy, and then, um, uh, I was able to uh, write him a letter and just saying, um, you know, you know how you love soccer. Soccer is the main thing. You know, you, you're just so awesome at it. And knowing, um, but know that God loves you too. And no matter what you go through this life, run to Jesus because He will be your, your ultimate prize. And um, and it's just I was able to write that to him before we left, and and it was crazy how all, like. Soccer was their main thing down there, and it was just the one thing that can satisfy their day. Every, every day they can go and play. And it's kind of thinking, you know, it's kind of like how God can be our ultimate satisfaction. He can fill the gap that no gap can be filled, you know. And um, this is, I just saw that during this whole trip, and all these kids just played soccer, you know. And we, we try to find things to fill our lives with all the gifts or trying to find different relationships or anything, but yet we can't really fully fill it. But yet, if we ask God to fill it, he can, and his love and his joy can fill that gap. And it's so strong, it can never be pulled out. And just being with all those kids down there is just something, and um, I'll never forget them, and it's just what an amazing time. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for supporting us, and I felt completely honored <laughs> to be able to go. Um, I wasn't expecting to go, and I'm sure everyone here can <laughs> just thank you for your prayers and support. And um, I guess, um, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> um, it was just a really, really great trip, and um, I just it was just amazing to see how God could take completely ordinary things like soccer camp or just the VBS and just completely just um, use us somehow. <laughs> it was really cool. And um, I just really felt like we were able to um, 
was really blessed the church there and that they were really encouraged by us being there. We kind of, I think, really um, set a fire in their hearts just to really reach out to the community. And um, so I thought that was really awesome. And um, I feel like here, like, there's a lot of empty promises, but when we went there, um, we weren't giving them empty promises, which is really, <laughs> which is really, um, it was just really powerful to be able to tell them how much God loves them, and um, there really was no other reason, you know, we could have really gone besides to serve God and to tell them how much God loves them. So thank you for sending us. Hi, my name is Rachel. This was my first missions trip. It was definitely a life-changing experience. Like, I have no words to describe it. But it's just amazing how these kids can just, they don't even know you, and they just want to be around you all the time. And I got really close to this 12-year-old and everything. And <laughs> it's just amazing. Like, you just love on these kids. And... She was, we always just hugged each other, and, like, she gave me a bracelet on the last night, and, like, I wrote her an encouraging note saying, um, I'll always be praying for you and stuff, and she'd write me back and be like, thank you so much for sharing your love with me and everything. And she later on, like, been requesting me on Facebook, and we've been talking through there, and every day she's like, I miss you so much, and I love you and everything. So it's just a really <laughs> touching moment. Personally, it was a very, very long week for me. Panamanian time and me do not mix. Um, <laughs> I'll say no more about that. But um, it got to be the last day and um, just kind of figuring out, like, what am I going to take away from this trip? Um, and um, we came to discover that the, the church we were ministering with had suffered uh, some tragedy within their congregation in the last year. Um, and I was had connected with Bridget, which was the missionary's wife we were working with on the evangelism team. And um, she was able to figure out at least one of the women who had suffered one of these tragedies. And um, both me and um, my husband and Bridget were able to go um, and pray for her. Um, she had lost a five-year-old daughter suddenly. Um, and then to turn around, and not 10 minutes later, Bridget came up to me, and she's like, come here, I need you to talk to somebody else. And there was another woman there who had, in the last nine months, lost a four-year-old son. Um, and I guess I went all the way to Panama to be able to pray with those women and to take them home with me to pray for them, um, knowing a little bit about a piece of what they suffered, um, I will remember them every day. Um, hi, my name's Laura, um, and I was uh, privileged to go on this uh, second mission, missions trip. Um, I went to Guatemala a couple years ago. Um, when I signed up, I could have either uh, signed up to be on the evangelism team, the construction team, or wherever you need help. So apparently they needed more help on the construction team, so that's where I ended up. Um, wasn't really expecting anything, didn't you know, really think about it too much. So when I got there, um, 
the construction team gathered, and I was the only girl on the team of our own team. And I guess I wasn't really thinking about who else was going to be working with us or what else you know we were going to be doing. But we got there, and I was the only woman on the team. So <laughs> I just kind of stood back while they were getting themselves organized and um, you know who could do what and everything. And so the fir my first job was to fill the water coolers. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> we need water. <laughs> so, um, you know, that, that was okay. I was like, you know, every job is important. And, you know, again, we need water. So I thought, well, I guess I better just buck up and put my big boy pants on and, <laughs> and go with the flow. <laughs> so I thought, well, I, it's going to be an interesting week. So we had to go from the shop a little ways down to uh, the job site and um, we had to like go through go down this kind of a long it's just a dirt road through some trees and some fields and everything and then it just kind of broke into this open field and there was the ocean and the uh, job site the building we were working on and I thought you know I can do this <laughs> so it was good it was good they didn't send me packing and uh, so we, our team was New York, we had Utah, we had uh, a team from Alabama. I don't know that anybody really got to talk to them too much. They were kind of like a whirlwind. They came in for a day and a half, put up walls, and then they were gone again. But um, I think that for me, um, you know, it was just good to see and be amongst and work with uh, a group of really great godly men who just worked hard and work together and um, you know it was just amazing to me how God can bring people from all over the place all over the world to one place and um, just kind of you know weave our lives together and our abilities and strengths and um, you know they they let me they let me work so I was I was happy with that I didn't have to you know fight to 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 want to to want to help so um, the gentleman that, that uh, Wayne was talking about um, actually uh, let me tile with him, so I was able to um, be a part of putting in a tile floor, and I don't know if you saw the picture there. The first thing they did was send me up a ladder to paint the trusses, so <laughs> I said it was because they were all, you know, too afraid. All those men were too afraid to go up at height, so I said, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> so, yeah, so I got to do some, I got to do some good stuff, so... Um, I guess it was just, you know, my perspective is, um, is changed and, and, uh, I, I was just grateful to be working with a bunch of godly men and praying with them and, and, uh, it was good. It just strengthened me a little bit more. Good morning, everyone. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Tim Walsh. First of all, I'd like to thank everyone for their prayers and support while we were there. And um, probably the thing that I um, cherish the most is, is that it, it makes me realize how privileged we are to live in the country that we do compared to the countries that we go to and, and serve in. And one of the things that our pastor always um, drills into us on missions trips, it's all about relationships and the work is second. So we took this long trip and we were freezing on the bus on our way on a two-hour ride to Anton. Of course, some of us were only dressed in shorts and a T-shirt. Hello. Um, 
So we get there, and my roommate, who's been my roommate for about the last three years, years Herb Gray, says to me, we got these Mormons that we're going to be working with. And I'm like, great. So now I'm going to be stretched and having to try to relate to these guys, as Wayne said. And um, the first day we left for the job site, um, we were segregated. So there was us and them in the bus. And, and that's actually how it was. They were in the back of the bus, and we were in the front of the bus. And we didn't really communicate with them at all, at all. But by the end of the week, um, as Laura was saying, actually, Laura became one of the guys. She was doing just about anything that John asked her to do. She was grouting floors and, and whatever. But the point, by the end of the week, we were like brothers and sisters, all of us. I mean, we were inseparable. Um, we really built relationships with the teams that came to help us work, which is unusual for us because usually the teams that come to work with us are, are the people from the church down there. And then the last thing I'd like to say is um, – you know, being around here a long time, this is actually my sixth trip. Some of these teens up here that I've seen, you know, grow up from a very, very young age to come on this trip. Um, I think I posted that uh, they're mature beyond their years, and, and they really show the love of Christ and all that they did. And we only got, like, two opportunities to actually spend time with them. Usually we, we get to bond with them day in and day out, but we were segregated about, I don't know, 40 minutes west of where they were, So, and, and we worked long days, so we didn't really get to see them. But the, the two times we did, you can just see how they were loving on these kids, and all you parents that uh, have children standing up here should be very proud of them. Thank you. I, don't want it. I guess I'm speaking for Mark, too. <laughs> I'm Mark Wooster, and I've been in the construction field for a long time. And I agree with Pastor Mike that it's kind of unique to get together with a big group of guys like that and, and Laura and, <laughs> and work with no conflict. And it's very nice. Uh, I wonder if it's 100% true because I, I roomed with Wayne Richardson, who's standing about as far from me as he can get. <laughs> Are we okay, Wayne? <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I guess what I take out of this trip is uh, a renewed appreciation for what we have in this country and... The ease it is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I feel better now. <laughs> I was wondering how, how nice it is to be able to get things accomplished in our country and how easy it is. And it's, it's not as easy there. There's a lot of logistics and things that has to be taken care of. Um, but it's, uh, it's also been nice. I've been blessed to be able to go on the missions trip with my daughter, Maddie, her, her first trip. Oh, that was that was very nice. Good. Uh, just to close this part out, I just want to say you guys should be ridiculously proud of the people that you sent. They are, um, they have um, given Christ glory, and there's an appreciation I have as a pastor that when you see people um, being stretched, there are some of these uh, people up here that were giving testimonies and um, being pushed to share parts of their lives that maybe they weren't sharing before because they were a little bit um, kind of pushed in the background because they were a little bit more messy parts of their lives. And um, they, were t they accepted that challenge and revealed parts of their lives that they may have rather have kept on the inside, but they saw God's um, response in that, and they saw how God used that part of their life to benefit and to... Um, 
uh, gather other people into God's side too. So um, that's a huge part of what um, is able to do. You're able to see how the broken pieces of your life can uh, God can use to repair somebody else's in his grace. So um, you should just be very, very proud of, of these people because they did an amazing job. So we thank you very much. And we, we be, beyond what we all raised as a church and other churches and through Finney um, and the money that we spent, uh, I don't know if you saw it on our Facebook page, but it was upwards of over $70,000 that we had to spend to get there between all of our plane tickets, all of our food, all of our transportation while we're there, um, construction costs, um, feeding the children, buying the bags and the balls for the soccer camp, um, all the crafts that we had to bring for VBS, all the things that we did was upwards of over 70 grand. And you think of what you, I mean, you could buy a house for 70 grand. And we just said, you know what, we'll trade buying a house. Um, well, you, you can buy a, 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 B, a convertible BMW Z4 or Z5 or whatever it is, and, and you, can, you can buy one of those brand new off the lot for 70 grand. And we said, you know what? Let's go tell people about Jesus instead of buying a fancy car in a, in a brand new home. Um, and I think that was a, a good trade. I think that's a, an impressive thing to think about that God would put on your hearts um, to send us in that capacity. So we thank you very much. Amen. I, I, uh, as we close out, I, I just want to share something on my heart. You know, obviously, going on these trips, God does different things. And one of the things that I was thinking about as we were on this trip to do a soccer camp in uh, Latin America is suicide. And the reason why is they are so much better at soccer than we are. <laughs> there was actually a kid that was in the older group that was on the Panamanian national junior team. If, he, if we would have brought him to Monroe County, he'd probably be one of the top soccer players in Monroe County right now. That's how good he was. So you're thinking, well, you know, what, what are we? <laughs> These kids are going to make fun of us. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be ridiculous. Why would we want to do a soccer camp with a bunch of gringos in, in Panama, who they're just great. And I think what, what I've come to realize is it's more than soccer. It's more than a building. It's more than a, a VBS. It's about answering a call of God. It's about obe being obedient to the Lord. And I think what happened on that week is when we were able to do the evangelistic services at night, and it built each night. There's three services we did at night. We did them right there at the soccer field. There's this huge concrete slab. We pulled in a generator. We had speakers. They had lights. And we would ask the people to come back. And each day it grew. And, and I can remember on the last night, um, I saw a young man. He wasn't involved, just like Colby said, not involved in the soccer camp. But his friends were. And he came that night, he had a white baseball cap on, and he just stood off on the grass, not sitting with everybody else. And I thought for sure, the moment the gospel message was preached, he was going to leave. I was just waiting for it. But I was praying. I said, God, don't let him leave. Because the missionaries call it the gringo effect. When you've got a bunch of people from North America that come down to Panama, it, it just creates a buzz, just within itself. Just us being there, it creates a buzz. So there was a little bit of that gringo effect and what are these 
Gringo's going to do? What are these Americans going to do? So let's go see. But I thought for sure the minute the gospel message was going to be presented, that boy would turn around and leave. So I was praying. I said, God, touch him, touch him, touch him. And he stood there the whole time and was glued to the gospel presentation of what Christ came to do. And the message that was brought forth was the message of grace, that Jesus came to save sinners, that we are all lost and we need a Savior. Basically, in a nutshell, that was it. And as the message was brought forward for those to come forward to, to make a profession of faith and to put their trust in Jesus Christ, that young man walked forward. Not only did he walk forward, he walked right to the front. And then to have the team gather on and pray for all these young people and these teenagers and adults that made a profession of faith in Christ Jesus, it's a lot more than soccer. That's what it's about. There was the power of God there. And what I want you to realize this morning, people, is God uses the small things in our lives to do great things for him. And really what it comes down to is, God, am I going to say yes to you? Am I going to be obedient to you? Because in my flesh, I would say, well, let's try to bring the best soccer people down to to show them how great we are, to show them some new skills. Let's bring our best people down. Let's bring the best worship team down there to really show them how well we are. Well, I'll tell you what, we threw together a worship team in five minutes. And and Carrie, I don't know if they ever practiced together. The, The Finney people, did they practice at all? I don't think so. I mean, did the Finney, the girl that was on the piano, practice with the team before? I mean, not before, not before we went on the trip. They all practiced together. It was amazing. You threw all these people. Well, you just blew my illustration, Mike, so <laughs> thanks for doing that. They didn't even know. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting. When I was there, I didn't see a lot of the, the previous stuff. But when I was there, you had kids from Finney, one on the piano, one playing the guitar, all these mismatch people that just came together to do worship. And, but you could feel the power of God as we began to sing in that open area, on that soccer field, as the word of God was being, being you know, broadcast through the speakers, as the worship was being broadcast through the speakers. It was amazing. And what I began to realize is God can take the small things in our lives and use them for his glory. But the thing we have to realize is are we, are we answering the call? Do we say yes to God? It's amazing when you say yes to Christ, what he does with our decision and how it changes history. And that's what I began to think about. I, I began to think about, you know, Mike hit it on the head. Yeah, we, some people say, wasn't that a waste of money? I, I just want to slap somebody upside the head when they say to me, isn't it a waste? Can't we just send the money down there? Why do we have to send people down there? And I would, say, I would say to you that some of you that are sitting here that feel that way, I would say to you, you are completely wrong. I would say to you this morning that we need to go. You, you can't experience things like that when we just sit in our pews and say, God, don't send me. Because whether you realize or not, God sends all of us. Now, I realize everybody can't go on a missions trip. But here's what I want you to realize. Everybody can say yes to God. And everybody can say, God, what can I do? What's my part in this whole thing in your kingdom? And I can tell you from going on 20-plus overseas missions trips and every group that comes and every group that goes and every church that sends them and prays for them, it's amazing what God does in our hearts and how he changes us here when we come back home.
to realize that God can use the small things. Because I know there's many kids that went on that trip, or for me, I'm not a construction guy, you know, and, and we built five, uh, Mark and I built five skateboard ramps. We built, for those of you that, that are bicyclists or skateboard people, we built two quarter pipes. We built a launch ramp. We built a kicker board. We built a grinding board. It was gnarly. That's all I can say. It was gnarly. They were awesome. And what he's going to do is, is Terry was just approved to plant a church where they live in Santiago in Panama. And they've got three home groups that are meeting right now. They're going to build a church there. During the week, they're going to take those skateboard ramps because kids are really into biking and skateboarding and invite the, come, the kids to come to church. Now you think, what can five skateboard ramps, how can that make a difference? We went all the way to Panama to build skateboard ramps. Well, me, Terry, and Ray Hewitt, the pastor in South Carolina, before those ramps were going to leave, we had them on a big, uh, just a, uh, we, we loaded them onto a trailer to, to ship to Santiago, which is like an hour and a half away. We laid hands on them, and we said, God, may many children, many young people come to know you, because they may be coming to skate or to, or to go off those quarter pipes, but they're going to find Jesus. And it may be a small thing, but it's just saying yes to the Lord. And if you've got your Bibles, I just want to read you a passage here that the Lord just laid on my heart. And it's in the book of Ruth. If you've got your Bibles, just turn to Ruth chapter 1. I want to read this for you. It's just such a great story of someone that said yes to the Lord and how it changed history. And let me just give you a background here. This is a time in Israel's history. It's very sad. It was during the times of Judges. Israel really wasn't following the Lord. God would have to raise up people to help them to defeat the enemy around them in the Promised Land. It wasn't a great time in Israel's history. They really kind of turned away from the Lord and the promises that God gave to Joshua and Moses. <clears throat> but there was a woman whose name was Ruth, and uh, she was a Moabite. She wasn't an Israelite. She was a Moabite. Her mother-in-law was Naomi, and many of you know the story very well. And uh, we're going to read about the story of what happened to her and the tragedy that happened to her and Naomi in their lives, which basically left them destitute. But here's a woman who made a choice to be obedient to the Lord and listen to the call of God in her life, which changed history. So if you've got your Bibles, you look at the screen there. Let's look at verse 1 in chapter 1. It says, In the days that the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of their two sons were Malan and Killian. If you want to name a son Killian, I think that's a cool name, by the way. That's just, that's just cool. They, they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab to live there. Now, Elimelech... Naomi's husband died, and she was left with her two sons. And so they married Moabite women, and one was named Orpah. Actually, Oprah's name is Orpah, but they misspelled it on her birth certificate. That's why she's named Oprah. That's a true story, by the way. Orpah and the other Ruth. And after they had lived about ten years, both Malan and Killian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And when she had heard in Moab that the Lord had come to aid to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her, and her daughter-in-law prepared to return home from there 
With her two daughter-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. She was going back home. Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness to you as you have shown uh, to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you and you will find rest in the home of another husband. She was basically giving them, you know, just access to leave. Don't, don't worry about me. You can go back to your home. Then they kissed and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I, am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the, Lord has hand, the Lord's hand has gone out against me. She was very just bitter and just alone at this point. Verse 14. And as they wept, then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. And the word there, clung, in the Hebrew actually means to, to hold on to. It's, it's a sign of obedience. Verse 15. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If anything but death separates you and me, and when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Which I want you to realize this morning is that Ruth made a decision. Here she is childless, no husband, could have easily gone back to her homeland and found that, but instead she stayed with Naomi. Now Naomi's going to go back to Judah and go back to her own people. Now what happened is they're destitute. They have no husband, they have no money. And so what they do is they go to a place and there was a family relative, Boaz, that was related to Elimelech, Naomi's husband. And so what they did is they, she went back and she knew of these relatives that maybe could take care of her. And, and what Boaz was doing, he was, he was harvesting the field. And what they would do in the time for the poor people is they would leave the edges of the, of the field uh, unharvested so poor people could come and harvest that so they could live. And that's exactly what Naomi and Ruth did. They went there to harvest the edges of the field. And that's where Naomi uh, knew that a relative was there and said to Ruth, Ruth, there is Boaz. Lay at his feet at night and see if he could be your kingsman redeemer. Because there was a Levitical law that said for someone that was destitute and without a husband, the next of kin would literally redeem them. And, and would marry them so they would not be destitute. Now, what happened in the story, to make a long story short, is Boaz wasn't the nearest of kin. There was another one. So Boaz had to go, to the, go into town and say to the one man that could have redeemed Ruth, can you redeem her? And, and he said, yeah, I will. I'll buy her, her land. But then when he found out that it could hinder his own inheritance with his own children, he said, no, I'm not going to marry her. And so it was free for Boaz to marry Ruth. And from there... They had a child named Obed. And what the interesting thing of this story is this. 
Ruth could have easily chosen the easy way out. But when she clung to Naomi, what she basically was saying is, I'm going to be completely obedient to you and to your God. And the choice that Ruth made was a choice that changed history. Here's what I want you to see. Turn to Ruth chapter 4, because they give a genealogy at the end of Ruth chapter 4, and here's what changed. You may think, okay, well, that's a nice story, great love story, end of story, but it doesn't stop there. Her obedience to the Lord doesn't stop there. If you look at the end, some of you may look at genealogies in the Bible and you're like, oh my God, this name, this name, this name. You just skim right through it and it bores you to death and you fall asleep. But genealogies are very important. And the reason why they're named is because it gives credence to the importance to someone that may be reading this word, especially to a Jewish person, that would see the importance of this lineage, of this heritage, and how it made a difference And for you and I, we can trace the lineage of our Messiah, Jesus Christ, to this very thing. This is amazing. Look at this at the end of um, chapter 4, verse 18. And so here is is Naomi has a son, and and they they know that that this is powerful, and and through this child, great things are going to happen. I want you to look at verse 18. It says, this is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amimadad. Amimadad, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. This son that was born to them was, guess who? Related to David. So you can see that, that David's grandfather was this person, Obed, who, who Ruth said, I'm going to listen to you, Lord. And it basically changed the course of history by her clinging to Ruth. That small decision to say yes to the Lord changed everything. Now, now it, it, it even gets better than that. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Those of you that love genealogies, this even gets better. Here God uses a Moabite woman. Now, for those of you that that like really dysfunctional stories, this gets really dysfunctional, okay? Because Ruth is from Moabite, and the Moabites can trace their lineage back to Moab, who was born from an incestuous relationship from Lot's oldest daughter. Chew on that for a while. That's where Ruth is from. They were seen as heathens. But because of Ruth's choice to obey God, God redeemed that and used it for his glory. Okay, look at Matthew chapter 1. Once again, I know that you guys that love the lineages of things. Boaz, who married Ruth, guess who his mother was? Thank you, Ruth. Ruth Brooks, by the way. Not Ruth in the story, Ruth Brooks. <laughs> Rahab. So look at, look, look at the scripture there in, in, in Matthew chapter 1, so we can all see it together there. Matthew 1, 5, we read it before in, in Ruth. It's Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz's mother was Rahab. Rahab was the prostitute who hid the spies 
who came to spy out Jericho before Jericho was destroyed. There was something godly within Boaz that listened to the voice of God. And here's what I want you to see this morning. How does this all relate to to missions? Ruth said yes to the Lord. God spoke to her heart and she said yes. She goes, I'm going to obey you. And for me, as a dad, I want to do everything I can to set my kids up that they would make right choices for God, right? In my own personal life, I want to do everything I can to say yes to the Lord because when you say yes to the Lord, it changes your course. And I began thinking over my life because I always reflect on these missions trips. And I was talking with my, my friend Ray and I was, I was talking with Dave Lamadola who went on the trip with us. And Dave Lamadola and I, Dave runs the sound on Sunday morning. Dave's a great guy. He'll be in the second service. But Dave and I were reflecting. I said, Dave and I were in youth group together at Bethel Full Gospel Church in 1982, 1983. And I said, Dave, just let me ask you a question. Would you ever think that I would be your pastor one day <laughs> and that we would be on a missions trip together? And I got thinking back, and it all comes back to saying yes to the Lord. There was a day in 1982 when I attended youth group the first time as a nervous, out-of-placed, pimpled-faced 15-year-old. I didn't want to be there. My parents bribed me to go to youth group, but I went. And I remember the message of Christ was proclaimed. That I was a sinner, that I needed a savior. That Christ came to save sinners, which I was one of them. And that Jesus Christ and his love for me and what he did on the cross made sense to me. And I said yes to the Lord. I thank God because I was on a trip with my two sons because a pimpled-faced 15-year-old said yes to the Lord in April 1982. Some of you feel like, do my choices really matter? Yes, they do. They set the course for your life. I am thankful that Ruth said yes to God. I'm thankful that she, that, she cl- that she clung to Naomi because God used that Moabite woman to marry a man whose mother used to be a prostitute <laughs> to, to lead the way for us to trace the lineages forward to a man named Joseph who said yes to God who said, I will marry this woman even though, she, 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 even though she, she is conceived and this could be embarrassing and I could divorce her, but I'm going to say yes to God. And that lineage is, is traced all the way back there. People, let's start a legacy.
today. Some of you, you're, you're grappling with some things in your life that have held on to you. And God's saying, cling to me and let go of those things. I can use anything. If I can use a Moabite woman whose ancestry is traced back to an incestuous relationship, if I can use Boaz, whose mother was a prostitute, I redeem all things. And I want to redeem you today. And some of you here today, you've been playing church. You've been kind of walking on the fence a little bit. God wants to redeem your life. It's not about the soccer. It's not about necessarily the VBS. It's about souls. God takes anything and uses it for his glory. And he wants to use you for his glory. That's what missions is about. It's not necessarily about going all the way down to Panama, which is great. We need to go. We need to be called. It's about saying yes to the Lord. It's about clinging to him and saying, God, restore my life. And may I make the choices that glorify you ultimately. That's what missions is all about. It's all about ultimately allowing God's glory to be shown through your life. I'm telling you, it's so easy to just get complacent and to complain about the most minute things. You know, you go on a missions trip and you come back and it's hard not just to go, really? That's what you're fighting about? Really? That's what you're complaining about? Really? I mean, I just wanted to backhand somebody the other day in Wegmans for something they were complaining about. I just felt like saying, I was just in Panama. Can I just strangle you for just a moment? You're complaining about that? that, that, that that's, that's your biggest complaint for the day is that the line was a little too long? I waited an hour and a half in McDonald's in Panama to get a quarter pounder. And guess what? None of the Panamanians were complaining because they're used to it. I said, there would have been a knife fight going on in Rochester if they were waiting an hour and a half for a quarter. There would have been bodies laying. There would have been chalk lines all over the place at the end of this ordeal. Listen, say yes to God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And uh, we're just going to sing this song. And we're going to pray. And we're going to end this service. And I, let me just stress to you again as your pastor. Thank you, 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 thank you again for sending us. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for your financial support. Um, it's just amazing. And uh, I appreciate your heart for that. And um, God bless you for that. And I just want to thank you guys for doing that. I just, want, I just want us to respond to the Lord this morning. And um, I want you to say yes to the Lord this morning. Some of you here today... You, you, you need to respond on behalf of your family. Some of you here today, you need to respond on behalf of your own life that, God, we're going to say yes to you. Some of you here, you, 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 you know that maybe some of your children aren't serving the Lord and it's just a burden on your heart right now. You're just like, God, just touch my children. I want you as an act of declaration as we sing this song to come forward and just stand before the Lord and give your children before the Lord. Some of you are praying for your marriages. Come before the Lord and just say, yes, God, we're just going to lay this at your feet. 
We're making a choice to stand in the gap for our children, to pray for them, and to allow you to do great and mighty work in their heart. God, just use me. I'm going to say yes to you. I'm going to stop complaining about it. I'm just going to start praying about it. And I'm going to get serious with you, Lord, about this, that you would just touch their lives. Whether it's your marriage, maybe some of you are just, your job has got you down. And God says to you, I want to use use your job to glorify me. And and some of you here, you're dreading about going to work tomorrow just because it's the same thing. And God says, no, let me change your heart so you can see through my perspective how I want to use you in your job. Say yes to me. And don't don't allow the things of this world just to so grip your heart that that it literally sucks the life that I want to give you in your heart and life. I want to give you a new perspective of your job that I want to use you for my purposes and let the light of Christ shine forth. Some of you students here, it's the same thing at school. Man, I hate going to school. I don't want to go to school. But you know what? Maybe when you go to school with the fire of God in your belly, it becomes different now. It's not just school. It's a choice that you're making to say, God, use me for your purpose, purposes and your plan. And the moment God gripped me like that as a young person, I began to see my school as, a, as not just a place I had to go of drudgery, but I saw it as a mission field. That there were souls there too. I remember one day just praying with a kid named Michael who received Christ right in my school. God had to break my heart and say, Barton, you're just so complacent. Whether it's your school, your job, your marriage, your kids, say yes to the Lord and cling unto him. Amen. So I want us to stand today and I always want us to pray. God, just take our lives and change us again. So let's stand. And as we begin to sing this song, if you want to come down and make a declaration before the Lord, I just want us to stand before the Lord today at these altars and just let God grip your heart for these different things that we've talked about. Amen. So let's do that today. Thank you, Jesus. Come. You're the God of the city You're the King of these people You're the Lord of this nation You are You're the light in this darkness You're the hope to the hopeless You're the peace to the restless i
say yes to you. Lord, when we make that decision to to cling to you, like Ruth did Naomi, God, you change everything. And God, you use all the, the messiness of our past and all the wrong choices we made. You can redeem them. And you can change us, God. And use us for your purposes and your glory. We want to say yes to you, God. And so, Lord, I pray that the choices we make for you would impact eternity. God, that the choices we make for you, the choices that, that when, we, when we choose not to complain and maybe to pray, God, Lord, how they can make a difference. And so, Lord, we pray for our families. Lord, we pray for those that are wayward today, God, that you would draw them back to you, Lord that we would stand in the gap for them, God. Lord, we pray for marriages. We pray for our jobs, Lord. We, we pray for just the, maybe just the mundaneness of our lives, the, 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 Lord, just the feeling to just check out, God. We pray that that would not happen in our lives. But Jesus, we would see every opportunity in our life as, as, a, as a chance to allow you to be glorified, even in the mundane things. Lord, you can be glorified in our lives. Lord, a heart that's willing and a heart that's obedient, you can do great things. And so, Lord, we want to be obedient to you. Thank you, Lord, that it's not about soccer. It's not about these necessarily, necessarily things that can be good uh, and we can use them for your purposes. But, God, it's really about souls. And you use those things, God, to do great and mighty things. And so we thank you, God. We pray that the fruit, the seeds that were planted would do great things. We pray for that local church, just two blocks, three blocks from that soccer field. I pray for that pastor, that the people that came forward, the names that were collected, God, God, there would be just great harvest and great discipleship that would happen, God. Thank you, Lord, for the decisions to say yes to Jesus. Lord, are going to affect eternity. They're, they're eternal choices, God. And we thank you, Jesus, for coming, being obedient to your Father. Even, even Lord, the, the joy that was set before you to even endure the suffering of the cross you did for us because you loved us. So, Lord, help us to choose you each and every day to say yes to you, God, each and every day. And I thank you, God, for what you've done. Lord, I pray for our church. 
God, we would say yes to you as a body. That, Lord, you would knit us together, God, in one vision, with one purpose. And that's to allow Christ to be glorified through us as we serve this world and this community, God. That many more would be drawn into this place so that they could grow in the knowledge and the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. So we thank you for this day. We just give you the glory and you the glory alone, God. We love you, praise you, and we thank you. We just want to thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Let's just give the Lord just praise this morning. Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Have a great day. Go in God's grace. Amen. Oh, universe is with